Shalom. This is Am Levadad Yishkon, episode number 10. Ten weeks ago, when we began this series, we started by reading a pasuk in the book of Bamidbar, uh, a nevuah from Bilam ben Beor, of which, after which this series is named. And let's read that pasuk again, Bamidbar, Perek Chav Gimel, uh, pasuk Tet. Bilam said, Kimerosh tzurim erenu umigvaot ashurenu, Bilam standing on top of a mountain, and in a later, a later uh, number of podcasts, we'll look at this Bezrat Hashem in detail. Bilam stood on, standing on top of a mountain, looking down at the Jewish people at Am Yisrael camp below, said, "Hein Am Levadad Yishkon uvagoyim lo yitchashav." This is a nation that shall always dwell in solitude, a nation that shall not be counted among the other nations. And our first question was, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean, Am Levadad Yishkon, a nation that will always be alone, a nation that's always going to be separate from the other nations, not to be counted among them? And then we looked at the history of Am Yisrael, and we saw that that expression, Am Levadad Yishkon, Uvagoyim Lo Yitchashav, is an extremely accurate way to describe a very bizarre history, a very bizarre current reality that defies all logic. Am Yisrael is different than any other group. All other nations in the world have a land of their own, have a language and culture of their own, and that's what makes them a nation, a, a nation that loses that. If you look through all of history, a nation that was exiled from its land or even that was conquered by another empire and had a different culture imposed upon it, like some sort of imperial power, generally speaking, within a fairly short time, loses its identity and ceases to be uh, what it once was ceases to be an independent nation and sort of forgets its past and be, the people simply assimilate into a new culture and become part of some other group. But Am Yisrael had survived for thousands of years without a land of our own, without a nation, without a language of our own, without really a culture of our own other than perhaps our religion. And then we looked at the possibility that Am Yisrael is a religion and we saw that although there is clearly a religion, Jewish religion it's called today, but that is also not the defining characteristic because one can be part of Am Yisrael even if one doesn't believe in or observe the religion, even perhaps if one observes a different religion. We talked about Brother Daniel and other examples of that phenomenon. So we saw that in fact what Bilam saw prophetically, history showed to be true. And we asked the question, how did that come to be? And over the last eight or nine uh, discussions, we saw exactly how that came to be as told to us in the Torah. The Torah, beginning with uh, the beginning of the book of Breshit, laid out for us a schematic view of uh, all of human history. It started in the book of Breshit that the world was created with a, with a goal, with a mission. Mankind is supposed to serve God by freely choosing to follow God's commandments. And we saw that the original opportunity to do that is what the Torah described as Gan Eden. And we talked about plan A, and we talked about plan B after the sin in Gan Eden, Adam and Chava being given another opportunity. We talked about the destruction or near destruction of the world that was discussed at the end of Parshat Bereshit and the beginning of Parshat Noach and the opportunity of Noach to rebuild the world and get one more chance to have humanity fulfill its goal of serving God, and we saw that Noah brought that korban as his first act upon leaving the teva, and that that changed everything. That God responded to that korban. That God promised that he'll never destroy the world again. He made a promise, a brit, which was formalized in the brit keshet with the children of Noah, that 
Ultimately, this world will continue to exist until this world fulfills its goal, it fulfills its mission, does what it's supposed to do, and then perhaps we get back, we return back the clock on history, the Derech Eitz Chaim that the Torah alluded to in, uh, in Parsha Bereshit, perhaps we return uh, to Gan Eden, and at some point we'll take a look at the Ramban's understanding of those psukim and those who disagree with the Ramban. But in any case, that's the point. All of the world, not... At this point, there was still no Am Yisrael, but all of the world has to serve God. All of the world has to come to fulfill its mission. Noach took a great first step coming out of the Teva, and that already was enough, according to the Torah, for Hashem to make the promise he made. But after that, uh, already Noach himself began to, um, shortly after that, planted his vineyard, began to um, stray from the path, and certainly Noach's descendants uh, also made some major mistakes, and ultimately it came to what's called the Dor HaPlaga, where for whatever reason, and we talked about the fact that it's not clear what the reason is, but for whatever reason, it became necessary for mankind, for humanity to be split up, to divide into multiple nations. Uh, Chazal speak of Shiv'im Umota Olam, 70 nations, 70 languages um, across the earth, and it was at that point that need for a chosen people comes into existence. And then we talk about the begin- we talked about the beginning of that entity, that became known as Am Yisrael. We talked about Avraham, who was chosen and told, Lech lecha me'artzecha mimoladcha mibet abicha ve'e'escha legoi gadol. He's going to be made into a nation. We talked about the promises to Avraham. Va'avarcha mevarchecha umekalelcha a'or. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. We talked about the mission to Avraham. V'nivrechu v'cha kol meshpechot ha'adama. And the promise of, of Zera, of, of children, as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore and the promise of inheriting Eretz Yisrael. We saw that those promises were given to Avraham and the mission was given to Avraham. We saw that it was transferred to his son Yitzchak as opposed to his son Yishmael or his other sons. We saw that from Yitzchak it was transferred to his son Yaakov as opposed to Esav and from Yaakov, of course, to his 12 sons. And we also talked last week about the Brit Ben Abitarim, the Nevoah, the preordained exile, where God told Avram that his Ger Yihyeh Zaracha Be'eretz Lo Lahem, your descendants are going to have to be strangers in a foreign land, Va'avadum V'inu Otam Arba Me'ot Shana, 400 years of, and, and we talked about how it says, Va'avadum V'inu Otam, 400 years of Gerut, of being exiled, of being strangers in a foreign land, of being slaves and of suffering. Not as a punishment for anything, assumedly, because no one had been born yet. This was preordained into the future. And we saw last week that when Yaakov Avinu was on his way down to Mitzrayim, he received a vision in Beersheva, in which he was told, Al tira merda Mitzrayma, don't be afraid of going to Egypt, ki legoi gadol asimcha sham. And we saw that, in fact, the beginning of Sefer Shemot says exactly that. Am Yisrael, the nation of Israel, was not born in Eretz Yisrael, as the Israeli Declaration of Independence claims. According to the Torah, Am Yisrael was born in Mitzrayim, in Galut. For the very first time in the beginning of Sefer Shemot, we saw it was Paro Melech Mitzrayim who said, Hinei Am B'nei Yisrael, Rav V'atzum Minenu. And that was the fulfillment of the Nevoah that had been given to Yaakov at the end of Sefer Breshid in Beersheva, where he was told, Legoi Gadol Asimcha Sham, you're going to become a nation in exile, there in Mitzrayim. Which meant that Am Yisrael was born from the very beginning into a situation of Galut, and of suffering. And the, the homeland, 
the land that's supposedly theirs, that they've been promised, that's their inheritance, that according to that first Rashi in the Torah we saw is the entire reason for the existence of the entire book of Bereshit, to tell us that Eretz Yisrael belongs to Am Yisrael, that may be true as far as the ultimate truth is concerned, but it didn't look that way to anybody. Already when Avram Avinu came to Eretz Kenan, we saw that later on Avram had to describe himself when he had to beg and plead and negotiate and pay large sums of money in order to be able to bury Sarah. He called himself Ger Vitoshav, a stranger and a resident. And all of the time that Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov and their children lived in Eretz Yisrael, there was no Am Yisrael. There was only B'nai Yisrael. The Avot and their children. The Elishmot B'nai Yisrael Abayim Mitzrayma it's in Mitzrayim that we became a nation. So Am Yisrael was born from the very first moment of our existence as a people. In exile, without a land of our own. With a land that's somewhere off in a distant part of the world, out of reach with another nation inhabiting it, a land that we're going to have to fight wars to, uh, to recapture or to inherit a land that's promised to us and called ours, but a land in which... We very much feel, perhaps, as if we're strangers. The very existence... So now we've answered our question that we started with. How did Am Levadad Yishkon come to be? Now we understand how it came to be. The Torah tells us that Am Yisrael is different than all other nations. All other nations developed organically through a group of people that settled in a country, developed their own language, developed their own culture. But Am Yisrael was created by Hashem with a purpose, with a mission. And Am Yisrael was created in Galut so that it could continue to exist in Galut. So now we understand what? What Amlevadad Yishkon means? And we understand how it came to be according to the Torah. But the biggest question we still have to explain, and that of course is why? Why would Hashem bring Am Yisrael into existence under this type of situation? Wouldn't it make much more sense if Am Yisrael were to be given a nice empty country we talked about something like the first European settlers found when they came to North America or perhaps to Australia. Large, vast, relatively empty, if not completely empty countries, rich in natural resources, isolated from the rest of the world with an opportunity for Am Yisrael to develop and, and, and grow. Certainly if one were to be, if we want to take a mashal, if, if, um, if the king of a country had a, had a young child, the crown prince who's destined to be the next king, and if the father, the king, died while the son was at a very young age, and the, the infant, the future king, needs to be raised, and we have to raise this child so that eventually he can lead the country, undoubtedly, and, all, and if all the resources of the kingdom were put at our disposal, and we were told, raise this child and give the child what it needs to be the best king possible, the best leader possible, undoubtedly we would make sure that every other every aspect of the child's upbringing was done in the best way possible. We would make sure that the child had the most, the best medical care, nutrition and health. We would make sure that education and all the opportunities to develop his potential to the fullest. That's what Am Yisrael is supposed to be. The crown prince, the one upon whom the future of the entire world exists after having made that commitment to Noah. And after having divided humanity into multiple groups, Hashem picked Avraham for the purpose of Avraham was chosen with this and, and, and charged with this mission, nothing less than bringing the entire world to the fulfillment of its purpose and its potential. Nothing could be more important to the world than Avraham Avinu and his descendants fulfilling their 
potential. And for some reason, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who has all of the means at his disposal, doesn't do what we would do if we had all the means at our disposal. He doesn't put Am Yisrael into an ideal situation with all of the opportunities to grow and to flourish. To the contrary. He brings Am Yisrael up in a situation of abuse, as it were. Places Am Yisrael into a situation where, where Am Yisrael is, uh, is born into a situation of Ger Zaracha Lolahem Otam and again with a with a homeland that isn't really theirs and that they're going to have to fight one day to to capture. So now we need to begin to understand why that is. And therefore, after the place to look is after uh, a few hundred years, after the fulfillment of Ger we need to look, I think, at the beginning of the process after understanding what Shiabud Mitzrayim was about, what the slavery um, in Mitzrayim was about, to begin to look at the process of Yitziat Mitzrayim, the process of bringing us out of Mitzrayim and turning us from a nation that was enslaved and in exile into a nation that was free and on their way uh, to the Promised Land. And the beginning, the very beginning of that, uh, is in Parsha Shmot, which happens, of course, to be this week's Parsha. And um, let's take a look at Shmot Perak Gimel. In the third Perak of Shmot, we read about Moshe Rabbeinu. This is the, what's called the Hakadashah. This is the the first scene where we're told how Moshe Rabbeinu received his mission. And the Perak begins with Moshe. Moshe, who had a very unusual upbringing, he was saved from death as an infant, of course, raised in the palace uh, until reaching a certain age, and then had to run away from Egypt and lived for quite a while, it seems, outside of Egypt, and became married, uh, of course, to his wife Tzipporah, the daughter of Yitro, in Midian, far away from his people. And Moshe was a shepherd, as so many others of our leaders were, and our ancestors, and uh, he was taking his sheep through the Midbar, through the desert, and he came uh, to a place that's called Har HaElohim Chorev. And of course, that's a place that later on becomes known as nothing other than Har Sinai. This is the place where later on the Torah is going to be given. And Moshe, it seems, believed that he was simply uh, gra- taking his sheep to graze without realizing the significance of the place he was in until uh, a revelation took place. Vayera Malach Hashem Elav Balabat Eish Mitoch he, a, a, an angel of Hashem appeared from within of a, uh, a flame inside this bush. The bush was burning and yet it was not consumed. Moshe says, I need to, I need to turn away and look at this and understand what's going on here. And there Hashem appeared to him from within. And he called him Moshe, Moshe, and Moshe reported, Hineni, here I am. He was told to take off his shoes, and Hashem identified himself in Pasuk Vah, Bayom Anochi, Elokei Avicha, Elokei Avraham, Elokei Yitzchak, Elokei Yaakov. He identified him as the God of your fathers, Avram Yitzchak, Yaakov, Bayom Hashem, Ra'o ra'iti et aniya miyasheb mitzrayim betzakatam shamati b'mnei nogsav, ki yadati et machovav, Moshe 
והיבוסי, ואתה הנה צעקת בני ישראל, בא אליי, וגם ראיתי את הלחץ, השם מצרים לוחצים אותם. השם, who just appeared for the very first time to משה רבנו. As far as we know, this was the very first time that משה achieved a hit galut, that God revealed himself to משה, and God tells משה, now is the time. We're entering the next phase of history. Avram Avinu was told there's going to be a stage of Gerut and Avdut and Inoy of, of suffering and exile and slavery that's going to last hundreds of years. But he was then told the door Rivi'i Yashuvu Haina that eventually in the fourth generation his children were going to come out of Egypt. Birchush Gadol with great wealth and return to the land of their ancestors. And God told Moshe it's now time for that to take place. I've seen their suffering. They've suffered enough. I see the lachats, I see the pressure that they're under, and I am now going to bring them out of this land of Egypt into the land of Canaan, and, uh, and they're going to inherit that great land. And Moshe perhaps might have been wondering, this is very exciting, but what does it have to do with me? He was then told, You, Moshe, are going to be the one chosen to lead the people, you're going to go back to Paro, and you're going to go talk to him, and you're the one who's going to lead my people out of Mitzrayim. And we know that Moshe did not accept this mission uh, all that readily, and he spent uh, a parak and a half basically arguing and pleading with Hashem, feeling that he was unworthy and unable of doing it, beginning right here, Vayom Moshe ha'elokim, mi anochi ke'elechel Paro, Moshe's first response is, who am I? Who am I to accomplish such a lofty, such a lofty task and a lofty mission? I cannot do it. And Hashem's response is quite interesting. The first part is understandable. You think you can't do it, says Hashem to Moshe? Don't worry about it. I will be with you. I'm not asking you to do this on your own. In human terms, what I'm asking you to do may be impossible for anyone. And I certainly don't think that you, in and of yourself as a human being, have the ability to accomplish such a thing. To convince or to force the mighty king of Egypt to, to let the entire people go and to lead them into Eretz Canaan. No. I'll be with you. I'm the one who's going to accomplish it. You are simply my messenger. You are simply my shaliach, my agent. But then the pasuk continues with something that's a little bit more difficult to understand. It continues, This is the sign. This is how you'll know. Or it is perhaps for this reason that I have sent you. This is an extremely important pasuk. Moshe, before anything begins, Am Yisrael are still deep in the throes of slavery. Not a single word of let my people go has been said to Paro. The people in Mitzrayim have heard nothing about any of this. Moshe himself, Zeata, just now found out. For the first time, God revealed himself to him in this miraculous way from this burning bush. He happens to be at a place called Har Chorev, Har Sinai. And God tells him that not only is, is the time arrived for Am Yisrael to leave Mitzrayim and to move into the next phase of their history. But you, Moshe, are the one who's been chosen to lead them. And he now understands something else. 
בהוציאך את העם ממצרים, תעבדון את האלוקים על ההר הזה. When you leave מצרים, you're not going straight to Eretz Kanaan. Eretz Kanaan is the destination, and he was just told that. He was told that I'm going to take them. Ani, God said, Ereid Latzilom Miyad Mitzrayim. I'm reading again from Pasuk Chet. We just read it. Va'ereid Latzilom Miyad Mitzrayim. I'm coming down to save them from Egypt. Ule Ha'alotom in Aretzahi. And to take them out of that land. El Eretz Tovar Rechava. El Eretz Zavad Chalavud Vash. El Nekom HaKna'ani. Vachiti Vahimori Vechulei. So Moshe understands that what's going to happen now is that God is going to come down. God is going to take them out of Egypt. God is going to lead them from Egypt to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Canaan, across the desert, and that he, Moshe, is to be the agent of God in doing all that. But that the journey from Mitzrayim to Canaan is not going to be a single uninterrupted journey. There's a stop in the middle. And not simply a stop because they need to, in the end, there were many stops in the middle and the They were detoured for 40 years. That's a different discussion. But the original tochnit, the original plan, was to go from Egypt directly into the land of Eretz Yisrael, in the land of Canaan, with one stop in between. From Mitzrayim, they were supposed to come to Har Chorev, to Har Sinai, and there, La'avod et Elokim to serve God. What was going to happen at Sinai wasn't told to Moshe. But Moshe was told, that the immediate destination after Yitziat Mitzrayim is Har Chorev, or Har HaElokim as it's called here, or Har Sinai as it's called later. And there, Ta'avdun et Ta'elokim ala Har there you're going to serve God. And presumably after that, they're going to continue to, uh, to the promised land. Now, we know what happened next. We won't read it inside. Moshe continued to argue and to plead and to negotiate. Eventually, he was told he has no choice. He and Aaron are going to have to approach Paro. Things don't go so well in the beginning. Initially, Moshe is rejected, and the people are subjected to an even greater level of slavery, which undoubtedly tests their faith even further. Ultimately, there's a miraculous Eser Makot, the ten plagues, culminating Makat Bechorot, the people leave Mitzrayim. Paro, after a few days, sort of regains his composure and changes them, and then the ultimate showdown, of course, comes six days after after Makad Bechorot, when they're standing at Yam Suf, and the people are trapped, and again the people's faith is tested, and miraculously, the sea is split, and the people are saved, and the entire Egyptian army is drowned in the Yam Suf, and the people sing the Shirat Hayam to Hashem. And following that, already, I've skipped already through, in these few sentences, through Parshad Vaira Bo, and much of Parshat B'Shalach. After that, there are further tests and further challenges that the people have to undergo in Marah and in Elim and in um, Rifidim. But let's let's skip straight through all of that and let's turn to um, to Perak Yud Tet in Parshat Yitro. After all of that, having left Mitzrayim, Bachod, and, and following the miraculous. Amur Anan ve'amur Eish, right? The, the miraculous pillars of cloud and fire that are showing them where to go. They're not navigating themselves. They're being led by God. The Torah tells us in Perak Yudtet, Bachodesh HaShlishi, L'tzeit Bnei Yisrael Me'eretz Mitzrayim, Bayom Hazeh Ba'u Midbar Sinai. In the third month already, approximately six weeks after leaving Mitzrayim, 
Rosh Chodesh Sivan, the people came to Midbar Sinai, Vayisumi Rifidim, Vayavou Midbar Sinai, Vayachanu Ba Midbar, Vayichan Sham Yisrael Neged Ahahar. And the people come and settle, or, or camp, they're led to that very same mountain. And although the nation at that point might not have realized that this particular campsite is any different than the various places they've been until now. They've left Mitzrayim already six weeks ago and they've been to various places, Mara and Elim and Rafidim. And um, and now they came to the next place, to Midbar Sinai, to this mountain, Har Chorev Har Sinai. But there was at least one person who understood that this is an extremely significant spot. And that, of course, is Moshe Rabbeinu. Undoubtedly, Moshe recognized the place. Undoubtedly, he remembered what he was told. That that when you take the people out of Egypt, and undoubtedly, he understood that this was the moment at which that key phase, he knew that something was about to happen at this mountain, something that they're going to have to serve God, and something that's going to be necessary as a prerequisite for the uh, that which is to come. So, he goes up the mountain to find out what to do. Perek Yutet, Pasuk, Gimel, Umoshe Alaha El HaElokim, Vayikra Elav Hashem Min Ahar Lemor, Ko Tomar Levet Yaakov V'tageid Levnei Yisrael. Moshe goes up the mountain in anticipation and indeed, Hashem comes to him and gives him a message for the people. And Moshe understands that this message is what he's been waiting for. This is the avodat elokim. This is the service of God that needs to be done on this mountain in order to, in order to bring them into Eretz Canaan so that they can uh, inherit the land and accomplish what they're supposed to there. And what's the message? Kotomar levet Yaakov v'tageid levnei Yisrael. The message is atem riitem asher asitin mitzrayim v'asayit chem al kanfei nisharim. You realize what's happened until now, how I took you out of Mitzrayim miraculously, poetically described as on the wings of eagles, and I brought you to me. And now you have to listen to me, and you have to fulfill the covenant, and be a sigula, you have to be a special treasure to me, from all the nations, even though, Right? Here, Am Yisrael is being described as that chosen people, the one who are different than all the other nations of the world. The nation about whom it will later be said, Am Levadad Yishkon. And here's the key expression. Ve'atem, says Hashem to Moshe, Tihiyuli, Mamlechet Kohanim, Vegoi Kadosh. You must be for me a kingdom of Kohanim and a holy nation. This is the, the message I want you to give the people. And Moshe came down from the mountain and he told them all these things. The people accepted it. So this is the key phrase. They were told that something's going to happen when they came out of Mitzrayim. Something's going to happen at Har Sinai. At Har Chorev. And uh, when they got there, they were told, I want you to accept the Brit. I want you to accept the covenant and become Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh. A kingdom of Kohanim, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. 
And therefore it seems that that expression, Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh, that expression is the key to understanding what's so significant about that moment at Har Sinai, what the nature is of that service of God that was about to take place there. They needed to enter into a covenant at Sinai before they could go into Eretz Canaan. And the covenant was to make them into Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh. And apparently that phrase, therefore, Mamlechet Kohanim Vegoi Kadosh, is the key not just to understanding what was so significant about, about Sinai, but what's the whole nature of the purpose for which Am Yisrael was created in this unique way. In other words, the final key to understanding how Am Levadad Yishkon is supposed to work is understanding the meaning of the expression Mamlechet Kohanim Goy Kadosh. And that will be the subject, Bezrat Hashem, of next week's discussion. Until then, Shalom.